Praise the Lord. This morning, we worship a God, a good God, a great God, the God that is above all gods, Jehovah God Almighty. One more time, can you give him your best praise this morning? He's alive. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. This is a good crowd, considering we get about 50 ladies that are at the ladies' retreat this weekend. But that's what's so great about our God. He's omnipresent. He's there, but he's here. Amen? Hallelujah. This morning, as far as if you've got tithes and offerings to give, you can drop them in the boxes on your way out this morning, or you can get, continue to give online. And uh, at this time, we're going to do our decoration. If they put it up on the screen... Let's say this this morning by faith, speaking to our God who is alive. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we're walking in a manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We're no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We'll not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we'll give health and healing and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We'll know, we live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Let us continue to worship our God this morning. the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Greet somebody before you're seated and let them know that you're glad to have them in the house of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Today, I, I'm a different creature. The last couple of days, I've just decided to take dominion. I've decided to be the spiritual authority around my house. 
I've decided to stand up and do what I want to do when I want to do it, eat what I want to eat, sleep when I want to sleep. Amen? I've done that in the last couple of days. I feel good about it. Only problem of it is the boss come back home tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many's missing your wife? Hallelujah. They're all gone and they've just been having a spiritual bathing in the presence of God. They've just had a wonderful, wonderful retreat. Some, they'll be on their way back from Branson area and we're gonna see our ladies arrive sometime this afternoon. But I'm glad that they've been blessed of the Lord. I've been getting reports and my wife said it was just literally phenomenal. One of the greatest years that they've ever had. <clears throat> great speakers, great moves of the Lord. So we're glad that our ladies are being refreshed today. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, Turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse 11. One verse of scripture, you can remain seated for the reading of the word today. Psalm 16, verse 11 just simply says this word. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I want to read it one more time. I want you to see some key words. We could preach a lot of different sermons there. First of all, thou will show me. That's one message. How many believes that God will show you things? That God will show you what he wants you to know if you'll seek for it. And he will show you the path of life. God's got a path for you to travel. God's got a plan for you. God's got a direction for you to take. God's got a, a purpose for your life and he will show you that path according to the word of the Lord. And then in thy presence is fullness of joy. That's a message. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You know, I know within my spirit that we are in a turning point around here at the palace, not only in the palace, but we're at a turning point here within our nation. We are standing at the threshold of one of the most awesome, powerful moves of God that we've ever experienced within our life. And I have said that over and over and over. I have said that for over 30 years, but I have preached it real heavily for the last 22. And around the year of 2000, something like that, the Lord gave me a message on the end time move of God. And it intrigued me. Me to even after I preached that message, I began to study just about that topic. And for 22 years, the Lord has had me to go through all of the minor and the major prophets and the different scriptures about how that there is prophetic voices and indicators and signs about an end time move of God that is going to take place right before the second return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some people say, well, pastor, I know you, you've been pretty, you've been pretty repetitive You've pretty, been pretty adamant about preaching it over the years, and I'm still as adamant today as I've ever been. And I want to tell you, because we're closer than we've we're at the very threshold. You know, they have been preaching about the end times uh, since the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, hey, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about, that in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon fall flesh. He said, what you've seen in the upper room was literally a visible sign of the prophetic word of the end time. They've been preaching the end time for over 2,000 years and he said that is the beginning of the end time. So where does that place us on God's timetable? It places us as a people at the very end of that age. 2,000 years has passed folks and I want you to know we're at the midnight hour. We're at that 11 o'clock hour and things are beginning to happen and things are beginning to shake and God is about to explode this earth with one of the greatest moves of God and revivals that we've ever seen in our lifetime. Now, I, let me rephrase that. He's not about to. He's doing it right now before our very eyes. It is happening. It is the first stage of what he's doing. As a matter of fact, God just seemed to show me in the last few months. I've seen it for years and I've watched it as a pastor, but all of the turmoil, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, the doubt, the heartache, the, the, the trouble that is among God's people, even among the nation itself. As I begin to look as a pastor in the last 35 years, I have never in 35 years ever seen anything like what God's people are going through. Now, there's always been trials. There's always been persecution.
persecutions, there's always been trouble. But I've never seen it at this scale before. I get texts, I get letters, I get calls, I have counseling sessions, I, have, I go make visits. Everywhere I go, some of the stories that people are telling me is just unbelievable. I, I just sit there, really. The devil can get a little bit ridiculous sometimes in how he wants to afflict. and It just seems like one, it just seems like this is everywhere. Somebody get over this, this happens. They get over that, that happens. Just get, and it's everywhere. And sometimes you feel like you're isolated because you don't see everything that I see. You don't see it on the scale that I see it. And sometimes you that's going through it may feel like, man, no one knows what I'm going through. When in reality, almost half the people sitting around you know what you're going through because there's a heaviness. There's an attack. There's a spiritual assault upon the body of Christ like we have never witnessed before. And it's heavy, but also on the flip side of the coin, you also are beginning to hear things like what the Car Roxanne Carson gave today. Not only are we seeing the assault of the enemy, we're beginning to see the hand of God rise up. We're beginning to hear testimonies that we're gonna to try to put as many of them on the board as we can. But we're beginning to hear testimonies that is absolutely phenomenal, that's outstanding. Some people are so shy, they don't wanna get up there and do it. But I wanna tell you, whether you know it or not, the hand of the affliction of the enemy may be upon us, but the hand of God has not withdrawn from us. He is with us. He is among us. Hang on because you ain't seen nothing yet. As a matter of fact, but there's something that I've, I've questioned. Sometimes, you know, you just wonder. You don't want to approach God hastily. You don't want to approach him arrogantly. You don't want to approach him in doubt or you don't want to approach him in disbelief or in an attitude that, you know, we can get sometimes. But have you ever wanted to just approach God and say, why? Sometimes you want to do that. Sometimes we rise up and there's hurt and there's pain and there's suffering and there's all kinds of stuff. And as a pastor, I, 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 it happens to us. We know every time I turn around, it seems like the Miller family's really hit right now. I don't want to make all that public of everything that we're going through, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult to see your little granddaughter born deaf. It's, it's very difficult to see the different things that's going on in my family. Every time you turn around, it seems like somebody's slapping you across the face. And sometimes you just want to say, hey, man, what in the world's going on? Why, why, why? But, you know, I don't want to approach God that way. But I begin to say, okay, Lord, I know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are thee called according to your purpose. I understand that. And by faith, I appropriate. I, I, you know what I do, God? I, 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 I literally I, I bring every word under subjection to the obedience of Christ. I'm not coming before you, Eric, but I'm coming to try to understand. You said you would show me the path of life. I'm not here, God, to accuse. I'm not here to attack your sovereignty. I'm not here to somehow say that you don't care, but I'm just trying to understand. I'm trying to know what's taking place within my life. And as I begin to think about that, all of a sudden the Lord said, just stop and look. And I said, okay, God, what do you mean? And he began to show me again all of the trials that's coming through my emails and all the letters and all the phone calls and the visits and the counseling. And I was just overwhelmed by it. Just, oh my goodness. As a pastor, sometimes you feel, you feel like you're a failure because you are Pentecostal and you want to get up here and just speak the word be thou gone, mountain be thou gone and it be gone just like that but it don't always act like that. You keep speaking and you keep declaring, you keep decreeing but it don't seem like it just goes away like that sometimes. It don't always happen in that kind of a fashion formal way and I was beginning to say okay Lord would you just give me some insight in what's taking place and the Lord began to show me that all this stuff that is happening, there's a positive that's taking place because there's beginning to be a stir among the body of Christ. God's stirring. He is ruffling up the feathers of the old sleeping giant. You know, this is kind of, I believe, where we're at in the church of America. I think as a whole that some of the churches out there in the, in the field in the foreign countries are a little bit ahead of us in this revival thing because, I mean, things are happening around the world that is unbelievable. And I think the United States is a little bit behind. And the reason why we're behind is because we're waking up and we're in that drowsy state. We're not quite alert as of yet. And yet, but yet we're stirring. Oh, you know why we're stirring? Because down deep in our souls, it may have been looked like that the old church was counted out. Me and Josh was talking before the service and I heard it on, on the television at the same time he did, I guess. But they said in a few years ago, 70s in the 1980s or 70s, 76% of the people were literate of the Bible. They understood the Bible. 
Bible. And they had a conscious knowledge of the Bible, 76%. He said nowadays only 4% have a literacy of the Bible to understand, only 4% of the people. And then you get to thinking, how can they even have a worldview? How can they even have an understanding of how a nation should be run? How they have an understanding of what church should be like? How do they have an understanding in anything if they don't know the scriptures? And you begin to lose hope and think, what in the world is going on? But all of a sudden, God began to say, yeah, but down deep, they have made gone cold and they have made fell asleep. But the trouble that's come upon the earth, that well, I'm gonna allow everything to be shaken that can be shaken. And when the shaking is over, that little old hot coal that's been buried real deep, the flame has gone, the, the, the blaze has gone. But he said, but there's still down there some hot coals in those ashes. And he said, I'm taking a fan in my hand in these last days and I'm beginning to blow upon those old coals. I'm beginning to fan that old flame. And he said, what once was just a hot amber buried deep among old dark, dry dishes. It's about to flame up again. The Holy Ghost fire is coming back to the church again. Oh, if you believe that, stand to the Lord and give him a shout of victory in this house. Oh yeah, that's where we're at. Woo! I said hallelujah. Don't count the church out. It's a sleeping giant, but she's, she's rising up. That old giant stretching her muscles. Oh, hallelujah. And the first thing that happens when it comes aware, breakfast time comes. There's a feast at the table and it's about to take place. God's about to pour his spirit out upon America. I prophesy, America, you shall not come down. You shall rise under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Revival and renewal shall be upon the land of the good old United States of America, and it's going to start in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, at the Palace of Praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe it. I confess it. I declare it. If you believe in something, you're going, you're going to speak it. Can I have it? It's going to be aggressive. Been doing it for 22 years, and people say, Well, I've heard you preach it for 22 years. I've not seen it yet, but you're seeing it now. Amen. But you know, one of the most awesome things is, is it's not only stirring and awakening the body of Christ, but even the world's standing up and taking notice. Can I, can I, can I have an amen to that? I don't know how many of you watch it, but uh, there's a news. I guess you'd call it a news uh, station. It's kind of a in-between between news and just a, 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 a commentators speaking about what they think. But it's called Flashpoint. Comes on on Tuesday night and Thursday night at my house on the Victory Channel. The Victory Channel is Kenneth Copeland's channel that he's got from his church. And I'm not advocating Kenneth Copeland. I'm not a big fan of his, but not against him either. But I'm just... I'm just saying Flashpoint is a great thing that he's got on his, on his, uh, on his television station. Flashpoint is where you got a man by the name of Gene Bailey who gets up and then he has a panel and he talks to him about what's going on and he brings the news in and then they expound on what they think. And instead of giving you news in a, in only, they give you the, the spiritual thoughts of, of what they think spiritually is happening as well. And there are three men that are usually on that panel. They have all kinds of different guests come and go, but usually there are three main characters are, that sit on that panel. There's a guy by the name of Lance Walnew, a guy by the name of Hank Kuhneman, and there's a guy by the name of Mario Murillo. Don't have time to speak on all of them, but one man intrigues me out of that panel. His name is Mario Murillo. Mario, if you know anything about Mario at all, when he was younger, he was an evangelist and he had great revivals around the nation. He was well known. <clears throat> he had great signs and wonders. Things happened in his ministry. And then one day, out of nowhere, all of a sudden when in his late middle age, seemed like you're not heard of him anymore. Very popular one minute, blowing out the charts for several years, about 20 year span or whatever, 25 year span. And then all of a sudden it just kind of faded out and you didn't hear about him. 
almost kind of, you know, uh, forgotten, out of sight, out of mind, and just kind of a forgotten guy. And then all of a sudden, him and his wife decided he was going, or he decided he was going to retire. They had talked it over, and he was going to retire. And he's going to retire, and one day in prayer and his devotion, the Lord said, you're not retiring. He said, I want you to rise up, and I want you to go buy a tent. And he took that tent, and you've heard me talk a little bit about it, and he's told to go to California with it, one of the darkest spots of our country right now. Come on. He goes there, and he sets up that tent, and seats about 500, and he thought, well, if I get 200 people the first night, I'll be happy. The tent could not hold them all the very first night. And th- hundreds of people begin to crowd in there. To make a long story short, revival began to take place. He went to a 1,000 tent. Then up to, to make a long story short, he's up to a 5,000 tent. Now he's going to a 15,000, I think, tent, the last I heard. But nevertheless, he's going to different places in California, and people are being delivered, and people are being saved, and signs and wonders are just happening everywhere. And, and uh, under this man's ministry of him obeying God. And all of a sudden, this no-name Mario Morello that seemed to went off the charts has begun to climb back up again. And then all of a sudden, God tells him to go to New York, and he goes to the New York area. And guys, he just throws up a tent. I think, I think the tent, if I remember right, was 5,000 or 3,500 there. I can't remember which tent he set up. So many people packed into it that they couldn't even get a number. And not only that, over 5,000 people tried to get there and couldn't, and they jammed streets, and they never even got to get to his services. That's how hungry and what kind of a stir is taking place in certain parts of our nation. We don't see it because we're in the Bible Belt. We're taking the move of God for granted, and we're still a little bit more drowsier than some of those that are living in some states where I'm telling you that's unbelievable of the things that's taking place. I don't have time to talk about all that's going on. You see it on the news. But Mario Murillo had a, uh, 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 a visitation from the Lord, I guess, or God speaking to him, and he told him, he said, this happened thir- Thursday night and Friday night. He told him to go and to rent out the big auditorium at Oral, Oral Roberts University. He said, I'm gonna revisit that place. I'm gonna revisit you there. They rented the building out for Thursday night and Friday night. They've been advertising it for a good bit. I don't know how many of y'all have seen that. In in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma, Tulsa, it's Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, anyway, they get there and they have Flashpoint. They get the panel up there and they're doing the normal thing, you know. They bring out some news and then Gene Bailey asks, what do you think, Lance? And then what do you think, um, uh, uh, Hank? And and then, you know, and it's almost at the end. And then Mario, they turn it over to him and he gets up and with about a 15-minute little pep talk and message, People begin to rise up to their feet and the Spirit of God begin to move. That place was packed. It had all kinds of world leaders. It had national leaders. It had local leaders. It had community leaders. It had police department, mayors, politicians, you name it. It had people from all over the world there. And how many knows, you can say whatever you want, you may have liked him or not liked him, but in the earlier days of Oral Roberts' ministry, great things really happened under that man's ministry. Things, signs, wonders, tent meetings, people healed all over this country. And, uh, and uh, God wanted to revisit that place, and he wanted to revisit with Mario there. And Mario, within about a 15-minute talk, something like that, then people were standing on their feet, and then he made a statement that kind of, I thought, where's he going with this? He said, every one of you that are Holy Ghost filled, and I'm not verbatim, I'm just giving you uh, 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 just kind of an idea of what he said. But he said, you know, those of you that are Holy Ghost filled and you're full of fire and you're sharing your faith and you're witnessing and you're out on the forefront and you're out here to make a difference and you're not afraid to make, make yourself known and you're doing all that, then if you're confident in that, you're sure, I want you to sit down. A big part of, the, portion of the people sat down and thousands were still standing up. He said, now I want to talk to the rest of you. And he began to talk to them about them becoming aware of the presence of God within their life. And he began to talk to them about their call, their purpose. And to make a long story short, before it was over, there were hundreds and thousands of people that ran to that altar that night. And the Holy Spirit began to move all over those people. And I'm here to tell you, folks, revival's here. 
We may be in the Bible Belt. We may be in a place where we're not, we're not really seeing the darkness as dark as some of these other places, but it's the darkness that's causing people to seek the Lord. It's that darkness that's causing that stir among the body. It's that darkness that's calling the world to stand up. And even some of the most liberal minds are saying, what in the world have we got ourselves into? What have we done? What in the world has taken place within our country? This week, as I was sitting here, I began to think, okay, Lord, what is the answer? As a pastor, where do I need to lead this church? What, what do I need to do? What's our next stage? What's our next step? What's, my, what's next on the agenda? What new vision do I need to cast? What new thing do I need to do in a natural way for us to building? And we're seeking for all of that. And we're doing things privately until we get clear answers. We're not just moving as of yet. Some of you wondering why we're not moving fast because we're waiting on the voice of the Lord and we're gonna make sure that we hear. We gotta prepare for the revival, but we gotta be right in what we do. Can I have an amen? You gotta trust your leadership, and we're doing that. But all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you tell the palace that all they need is my presence. That's what we need. Here, uh, there are different levels of the presence of God that we, gotta, we must understand as a body of Christ. The word presence that is used in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word that is translated panom. It is used 76 times, and it means, listen to this, to turn to face. What does that mean, to turn to face? I wanna ask you something. If, you were, if Mike was trying to hold a conversation with me and I was doing this, what would you think? I'm not paying much attention. I'm kind of avoiding him. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really engaged in what, and he said, hey, Brother Miller, I'm I know I hear every word you say. My wife sometimes, I'll be watching the television, and all of a sudden it'll go off. What, 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 what? When I'm talking to you, I want you to look at me. Oh, laugh on, your wife does you the same way. I said, I can tell you everything. Oh, I know you can tell me everything, I said. But you got select and hearing. You only got bits and pieces of it. What's Gunsmoke saying at that time, Ken? <laughs> Amen? And the thing of it is, is that while we're sitting here like this, and Mike's trying to talk to me from the front row, the word presence in this sense means <laughs> but you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. You think it's God turning around to look at him. Actually, he's learning how to turn his face toward God. Now listen to me. I, I want you to know 76 times this word is used. The idea of God's presence in this passage has to do with God's face being turned toward someone in acceptance and favor. It's where God, it's where man sees God face to face. I don't know if I'm gonna get ready. I don't know, I just feel the Holy Ghost here. I don't know if I'm gonna get ready to be able to preach all of this. But it means that God, all of a sudden, something changes in the atmosphere. It's not a distant talk, it's a closeness. An eyeball to eyeball, face to face encounter. And you remember what God told Moses? Moses, you can't see my face and live. But I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock and when I pass by, you're gonna be able to see the hinder parts of me. And as powerful and as most glorious as, the, as it was for Moses to see what he seen, yet he only seen just the back part of God. And yet when he come off of a mountain, you know what happened when he come off the mount? He seen, he seen the glory in such a way that his face did shine to the point that they had to put a veil over it. And yet in the New Testament, we understand that Jesus, who was God, robed in human flesh and the veil that covered was the flesh itself. But we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're able to see and experience the presence of God far more greater than what even Moses did. We get to see God in the face and the light of who Jesus, the glorified Son of God is, the resurrected Lord. So I'm here to encourage you to hear today, what we're about to see is not the encounter that Moses seen on top of Mount Sinai with thunders and lightnings and smoke and vapor and rocks running. We're gonna see God in a greater depth than even that. There is about to be an shakening that is going to take place that's gonna cause the glory of God, the tangible weightiness, the Chabad of the presence of God to come down and be felt and be experienced like we have never experienced before. 
I don't know why, but I feel I'm pressed to do this. Would you stand one more time? And if you believe that to be true, praise him in advance for it. Come on, pray. In your own way, praise him in advance. I think God wants to be praised. I think he wants to take his word at face value here today. I want you to take the word of God and what I'm preaching at face value. This shall come to pass. It will come to pass. It is happening. I'm going to be a part of it. We're going to be recipient of it. And we are not going to be passed by. Can I have an amen? God bless you. You may be seated. But his presence in it carries the meaning to be sufficient, to be able to sustain or to support. When God is present, he is sufficient to sustain and support what he energizes. And can I tell you, the presence of God is what we need in life's perplexities and hardships. The things that we're going through right now, what we need to do to, encounter, to, to, to uh, be able to counteract that is that we gotta have the presence of God. Because in the life's perplexities we and hardships, it's his presence that makes a difference. The antidote for sin, for fear, for doubt, for unbelief, for trouble, is nothing more than the presence of God. The problem of it is America in the times past, in their time of trouble, they ran away from God instead of running to God. And they wanted to play the blame game. And the question, why, why, if you're a loving God, if I've heard that one time, I've heard it a million times as a pastor probably. If God's so loving, why this? And if God's so, and, and, and we're, instead of running in faith toward God, we run away from him with critical, with critical remarks and, and we run away condemning him for not moving the way we desire, the way we want him to move. And we don't approach him in faith. And I want to tell you, without faith, you're not going to receive anything. We gotta have a belief. That's why when I preach, I'm gonna start asking y'all to stand and worship God in advance because I want you to take what I say at face value if it's, if it's scriptural and if and the spirit of the Lord's bearing witness of it and then believe it and put it to practice. Can I have an amen? The presence of God is what we need. As a matter of fact, Psalms 50 and 15 says, he said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. That's a promise of God. We're living in some troubled times, some times, perplexing times, war. And look what's going on in Ukraine. And look how our nation has cowed down to Russia. Look how our nation's cowing down to China. China makes threats and all of a sudden, oh no, we, 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 got, we, we got to compromise. We're, oh, we're getting a war with China. We don't want to get in a war with China. And we're losing our strength and we're losing our name and we're no longer becoming the head, we're becoming the tail. And we're getting scared and our nation's getting scared and things are getting rocky. But it's in those times that God says, call upon me in the times of trouble. I will deliver you. That's a promise of God. God cannot lie. I don't know of all the things that everybody's going to do, but I know a lot of what y'all told me. Call upon the Lord in the day of trouble. He shall deliver you and then you'll glorify him. That's what the Bible says. You know, just one glimpse of him and one encounter with his presence seems to make everything okay and all of life's perplexities are wiped away. Haven't you ever come in heavy laden and burdened and overwhelmed with grief or whatever it is and just get in the presence of God and it's like a bath and all that just washes off of you. They're not even a care when you get in. Matter of fact, I've seen people come in so heavy laden and the spirit of God moving and they're still standing there and you're trying to lock up the doors and they don't even want to leave the church because they feel so good in the presence of God. And when a person gets into God's presence, nothing else seems to really matter in life. He's got a way of just soothing you and ministering to you and edifying you and, and, and just calming you and peace and peace. You know, things may not be changed, but all of a sudden you say, well, why, why couldn't I react to this like this before? Because you were void of the presence of God. The presence of God makes that kind of a difference. Fears are calm, doubts are vanished, sin becomes abolished, and trouble is cast away in the presence of God. I wished I was one of those preachers that could sing. I'd just sing about how the most songs about how the troubles and trials that come our way, how do they vanish in the glimpse of his glory and we give him praise. The aspects of the presence of God that I'm talking about is not what we call the omnipresence of God, but the manifested presence of God which is the felt, the released, the personalized presence of God. I believe that this is the hour and the season and the time when the church is being called into a time to experience God. I believe that, folks, and I'm gonna keep you saying, man, you're a preacher you know, that preaches experience. I know I am because I believe in experience. I don't believe that God is a God that is in hiding and elusive, and I believe that God wants to interact and become personal with us. 
I believe that God wants to touch us. I believe God will withhold no good thing to them that walk uprightly. I think God wants to come near. I think he wants me to hear his voice. Come on, somebody. He wants me to feel his gentle touch. He wants to feel me to feel the strokes of his loving kindness over me. He wants me to know I'm loved, I'm sheltered, I'm protected. He wants me to know he's my buckler, my shield, my high tower, my rear guard. He's even got my backside covered. Can I have an amen? He wants me to understand he's with me every step of the way. He wants me to understand that he'll never leave me nor forsake. And when the chips get down, just look around long enough, you'll find me. I'll be right there with you, Ken. When the bullies want to take you out, I'll step up. Don't worry. You're not going to be tempted above what you are able, but I'm going to make a way for you to escape. And when the tempter gets a little bit ridiculous, you just step aside and let big brother step up. And I'll show them who's boss, and I'll show them who you are. Can I have it? Am I preaching to somebody here today? God, God's got this thing under control. God's got you under the shadow of his wings. God's got, hold on, breathe on him, Holy Ghost. Breathe on him, Holy Ghost. God, God's got this thing under control. He's got you under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. Come on, stand to your feet and give him praise, dear God. Spirit of the Lord's in this house. Woo! Yes! Thank God for obeying the Spirit of the Lord. That's presence. I said, that's, pre that's the manifested presence of God I'm talking about. We're seeing the very manifestation beginning. That's the beginning of the manifestation of what I'm talking about come in crying, end up shouting. Come in weary, end up walking out with no one at all. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Amen. He made me lie down in green pastures, baby. He restored my soul. <laughs> he, puts me, he puts me in the green pastures and he leads me beside those still calm waters. Amen. We go on and on and on, but I believe that this is the last day visitation which is called in scripture, it's called the latter rain. And guys, it's scriptural, and you've heard me preach on it. I don't want to get off on that a little bit, but again, let me remind you. The early reign was Pentecost. It was the establishing of the church. In the land of Palestine, the early rains was always brought forth so that the farmers could put the seed in the ground and the moisture would begin to birth the crops. And that is what happened at Pentecost. God brought the rain of the Spirit, the moisture of the Spirit, in order to plant his church on planet Earth and for it to be birthed and for it to begin to grow. And then you had those hot summer months where there was no rain and there was heat persecution and trial upon that old church just like there is in the summer upon the crops. But in the fall, the latter rains would begin to come more consistently and what it was doing, it was causing those, uh, those plants to mature and to develop, getting them ready for harvest. The difference between the early rain is that God was establishing something, God was putting something on the earth but what's the difference in the latter rain is he is maturing something to take something away from the earth. The rapture of the church is about to take place and this last time move of God is fertilizing us, maturing us, uh, giving us that drink of living water again to bring us to maturity to we'll be, where we'll be a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing and he'll call us home in the called the rapture, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's where we're at on the timetable of God. But it's time for his presence to become personalized, felt and released upon our lives. What Brother Lawrence done, thank you for obeying the presence of God, Brother Lawrence, because that was a manifestation of the presence of God. And if everybody will begin to allow themselves to sharpen their senses and allow the presence of God to come in like that, get ready because we're gonna have one of the greatest revivals that we've ever seen within our lives. Can we have an amen? The omnipresence of God simply means that God is everywhere all the time and his presence fills all. How many knows this means that the presence of God is in every place and every per with every person around the world? He's in China. He's in Iran. He's in America. Hello, he's in the parking lot. He's in the sanctuary. Hello, can I have an amen? He's in my house. He's in your house, whether you know it or not. God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. God is present in the whole universe. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 66 and one, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. 
Jeremiah 23 and 24 says, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth? God says, man, I feel the heavens and I feel the earth. That's how big God is. I love what the psalmist says because he's very honest and he's very open. I'm about, man, I'm about to shout. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Woo! Can somebody shout for me where I don't make a mess of myself? Hallelujah. I am enjoying preaching today. You're in trouble. Amen. But Psalms 139, starting with verse 6, says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. He says, What I'm about to reveal to you, I don't understand. He says, It's way too high. It's beyond me, beyond my understanding, beyond my capability, beyond my wisdom. I don't understand about what I'm about to say, the psalmist says. You're, it's far too reaching, far too out there. But this is what he says. Whether shall I go from thy presence, or whether shall I free, or whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend up in heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, thou art there. Even there shall thy hand lead me in thy right home. He said, in other words, there ain't nowhere I can go where you're not there. I don't understand that. I don't understand how God can be everywhere at all times, at all, all seasons. How that God can be with us right here and be with the ladies in Branson right now at the same identical time and be in China with those brethren over I, I don't understand that. That that it, how can that be? Do you understand the, the how massive God is, how big, how mighty, how sovereign God really is? And when we think about an omnipresence, folks, he's not only omnipresent, he's all knowing and he's all powerful. <laughs> And when you think about all that, man, it just, that's the kind of God that we serve. So why should we doubt anything? Why should we have any fear? Why shall we fear? Why should we have trouble in our minds? Why should we come in here with all kinds of anxieties, worried about the foreign affairs? Oh, come on, somebody. God, God, God how, why? Look at who we're serving, amen? This is, the one of, this is one thing that I believe that God is speaking to this generation. I believe that he's saying, especially to our young people, I am here and I am more than ready and willing to manifest myself to you. Right now in the world, he's visiting the Muslim world like never before. It is unbelievable of the testimonies where he's appearing to them in dreams and visions and how that he's just literally appearing before them. And thousands and thousands of Muslims are getting saved. Can you imagine that? The fact... There are more Muslims being saved around the world than there are people getting saved in America for, for more greater. And we're saying, why? Because, again, we're at that stage, uh, we're just now waking up. If you've been in the hardship, them people's been in hardship, they find out their religion don't work. They find out their religion's dead. They find out it's nothing but an idol because their God's not coming through for them. Come on, because their God's been dead a long time ago and buried. Can I have an Amen. And they're beginning to come to know Jesus Christ. And matter of fact, the fastest growing church right now in the world is in Iran. The underground church where they're persecuted and killed for being a Christian and yet a blaze of glory is taking place in that country. Why? Because God is stirring around our land. God's stirring in this last day. It's called the last day harvest. Some of the most saddest words spoken, I believe, in scriptures in Genesis 28 and 16 and where Jacob was at Bethel and he had the dream of the ladder. You remember the ladder going up and down to the angels of the Lord? And Jacob awoke from his sleep, it says, and surely the Lord, he said, is in this place, and I knew it not. In other words, I want you to understand, Jacob wakes up and says, God was in this place, but I knew it not. Do you know how many churches fits that description? Service after service after service after service, and yet they never experience what they call or has known as the manifested presence of God. Right. Now, God's here, whether you want to believe it or not. God's here. Right. Amen? Yeah. One thing is for sure, and that is whether we acknowledge it or not, God is in this place. He is close as the mention of his name, where two or three are gathered together in his name. He's in the midst. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know how I know that God's here? Because he'll never leave me. I'm here, so that means God's here. I didn't bring him. He was here when I got here. He'll be here when I'm gone. Can I have an amen? Those of you that don't know it, if you will sharpen your senses and you really want to know where God's at, he's right here. Hello? 
God's here. Church of God, God's here. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Let's acknowledge that he's here. When we understand his presence, we need to respond to it. Now, we understand his presence by faith. I know that. But our faith says he's here by the omnipresence of his word. And therefore, we declare him to be here. And when we sharpen our senses and declare and buy into what he has said, we begin to then receive the manifestation of that presence. We know this because the omnipresence, you know, in his omnipresence, nothing changes. You know, he's always on time. He's always there. And it's time that the church not only have the presence of God in our midst in an omnipresent way, but if we co cooperate with him in loving obedience, sharpen our spiritual senses, he'll manifest himself to us and we'll become aware of that presence. That's where we gotta go. It's not only to come in by faith and say, oh, God's here, but we gotta sharpen our senses to where we can move into that realm to where he can manifest, he wants to manifest himself among us. That doesn't mean he's gonna manifest himself on the same person every time, but it does mean that as a corporate body comes together, there will be manifestations in that body to edify, build that body up and declare and show them signs and wonders to declare his goodness and let them know, let them know without a shadow of a doubt that he's the God that he said he would be. Can I have an amen? We must seek to find the favor and the approval of God, to turn face to God. So much of the time, his presence cannot be felt among us because of where we're at, not where he's at. You know, God has never been in hiding. It's always been man that's been in hiding. From the very beginning, what happened? What happened in the very beginning? It was Adam that hid, not God. God didn't change his view. Adam changed his. And the problem is we come in and we don't see God, not because of where he's at, because he's not active, because he ain't faithful. It's because of where we're at, we're, we're displaced. So much of the time we're distracted, our minds are preoccupied, where our attention's on other things, and we come in scattered brain, we come in battle-torn, and we come in, we've not prepared like we normally should have. We don't really, you know, we come in and we operate in the natural and the carnal instead of the supernatural and the spiritual, and we feed ourselves and indulge ourselves in the worldly activities all week, and we don't prepare the way we should. We don't get in the Word. We don't pray. We don't do our devotions the way that we should. And then we come in and say, where you at, God? Now, God, and God's saying, well, you know, really, I've been standing here all along. I ain't moved. I'm not the one hiding. You're the one hiding. Instead of you coming to really seek me, I'm the one going out. Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? Mike, where art thou? Joe, where art thou? Sam, where art thou? Kent, where art thou? You know how many times God has to walk the aisles of this church and call out your name? Where art thou? Hey, quit being distracted. Hey, quit being preoccupied. Sometimes our mind's more on where we're going to lunch than where it is on the presence of God. Sometimes our mind's on, did I shut the coffee pot off? Did I shut the door? Oh, did I, did, did I turn that roast off? Come on. And sometimes our mind's on, well, I'm afraid to go there because if I do, what will someone think if I move in the spirit? Ah, I'm getting, I'm meddling now, ain't I? When are we gonna quit worrying about what everybody else is saying and come in and say, and God don't have to say, where art thou? I say, I know where you're at, God. <laughs> I'm coming out of hiding. I'm coming out of the closet. I'm taking my fig leaf covering off and I'm gonna stand naked before you because I am who I am and I'm coming as I am without one plea for thy blood was shed for me. Now here I am, I'm honest, I'm open. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to build something up. I'm not trying to manufacture. Here I am, oh God, and all I know is I don't need to try to make something happen. I just need to surrender into your presence, come face to face with you and you'll make the manifestation happen. Happen. And then when you make that manifestation happen, it'll be real authentic and it will edify, it will build up, it'll be felt and it'll energize the body of Christ. That's what we need in this hour. I gotta hurry or I'm not gonna get done. Is it possible? God present with us, but we know it not. Is it possible for him to be among us and yet he remain undetected. We need to see ourselves and analyze where we're at.
We need to realize that our unbelief, our proud look, our attitude of heart, our hypocrisies, our misdirected intentions, our slumberness, our sleep, our apathy, all of those things can keep us from drawing near to be able to experience what we call the manifested presence of God. But it doesn't take the fact away that God's here. He's here. It was like in John chapter 17. You remember when Jesus went down to the Feast of the Tabernacles? And it's kind of odd. That passage has always bothered me because they asked Jesus if he was going. And he said, you go and I'll come. And, you know, and then he goes, but he's disguised, the Bible says. And Jesus goes, and even though the disciples and the crowd looked for him, while he was there, they even asked, where's Jesus at? Where's he at? I don't see him here. And it was there that Jesus was concealed and remained with them secretively, but yet undetected from them. He was there in presence, but never really manifested himself to the people. He went secretively, but yet never really really had himself revealed himself openly. You know what we need here today? We need him to unveil himself. We need him to reveal himself openly. A while ago, he revealed himself openly. We need that every service. We need it to the point that people say, man, have you ever visited that wild, crazy church down there called Palace of Praise? Man, they're bouncing off the walls down there. Or man, they're prostrating the floor down there. Or man, they're, they're, they're weepers. Man, they're criers. They're shouting, whatever. Don't have to be a certain kind of a manifestation, whatever he wants it to be. You know, isn't it odd that we're standing here today in the presence of God, and a lot of times we don't even know he's here. We never push through. We need more than anything to long to be in his presence. From the very beginning of creation, God's very desire was what? Before Adam got indulged in anything in the garden, before he planted, before he picked the fruit, before he cultivated, before he watered, before he done anything, God said, I'm going to come down in the cool of the morning and I'm going to sit and I'm going to fellowship with you, Adam. Come on, somebody. Before anything ever happens throughout the day, I'm going to come and me and you're going to have a talk. I'm going to make myself known to you personally. Me and you're going to have a talk. We're going to have an intimacy together. And then out of that intimacy, you're going to be able to work through the day without the cares of life over choking you and you becoming unfruitful. You won't fear that day. You won't doubt that day. You won't be overcome with grief. That, and because something bad happens, you're not going to fall apart because I come down in the cool of the morning when, before the dew ever even rose and me and you had a conversation. And out of that conversation, your fears your fears were dismayed and your, your was displaced and, your, and, and I calmed the trouble. So before it ever even happened, my presence is with you and I'm gonna go with, that's what God wants this church to be. A refuge for hurting people to where they come in, they find and experience the manifested presence of God. Can I have an amen? That's what God wants. I'm gonna skip a lot of notes here. But I, you know, let, let me just go to some of the quotes that I've seen. Again, how much describes the regular church services where God is here but undetected. God is here but unknown. You see, I believe that God is wanting to give America a divine awaken, but it can't happen without an awareness of his presence. Come on, I'm gonna close here in just a moment. The times in history where God totally changed entire towns, villages, regions, and nations, they all had one thing in common. They all had an awareness of the presence of God. A.W. Tozer stated, it was God's will that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there, not just a doctrine to be held, but a real life experience every moment of the day. Analyze that. We could preach an hour on that. He says, hey man, this is not a doctrine that where we come in and say, well, God's here by faith. I think what he said. He said, it was God's will that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there. Listen, not just a doctrine to be held, not just a moment of time. Well, okay, by faith we believe, but a real life experience every moment of the day. 
And did you notice the key words there? We must press on into his presence. Sometimes it's not easy to come in here and, and, and to feel and detect him. Why? Because of all the garbage that we come in with. All the distractions, the hurts, the disappointments of the week, the, the stuff that's going on. And sometimes it's a press. It's a work. It's a labor. You gotta put everything, you're, you're taking stuff off and putting stuff on, and there's a war that takes place in that transition. And too much of the time, we allow the devil to win in that transition, and God's never manifested. We give up too early. Nowadays, if we're not out by noon, everybody's upset and say, man, don't go to that church. They, they hold services at two o'clock in the morning. Sometimes you gotta wade through it until the manifested presence of God comes. When I was a little boy, they, wasn't, they didn't care about time. Matter of fact, a regular church service, just a regular service lasted two and a half to three hours. I remember going to church at seven o'clock on Sunday night and getting, not getting out to 9, 30, 10 o'clock almost every Sunday night. Anybody else remember those days? Now we get here at six and we're out at 7.20. We're at Dairy Queen before 7.30. One old black minister said, you white folks are afraid. Said, you're afraid of the fire. Fire don't fall to two o'clock. It takes that time for us to get prepared for it. Amen? What happened to the midnight hour services? What happened to the point, hey man, the manifestations of the presence of God ain't showed up somewhere in the building and you know, we got visitors here. They need to, they need to see the presence. We got, it's a press. Sometimes it's a work. Sometimes it's a labor. Can I have an Amen. During the Lewis Revival of 1949 to 1953, there were thousands upon thousands of thousands born again in the kingdom. And a key leader by the name of Dr. Cameron, some of you at Bill's age may be able to remember that. Bill could remember D.L. Moody back in the 1800s. And, you know. <laughs> Dr. Cameron, they said, ask him a question. What was the outstanding features of the movement during the beginning of that revival? In other words, what's the key? What, what, what's the foundation to this? Dr. Cameron said, the first thing was an awareness of God. He said, the first thing that must happen before a spiritual awakening can happen, the people must have an overwhelming awareness of the presence of God. He went on to add, I have no hesitation in saying that the awareness of God's presence is the prime need of the church today. There's no way that we can ev evade the presence of God because he's omnipresent but we can find ourselves void of the personalized presence of God because we've not sharpened our senses and pushed our way through. To miss out on the manifested presence of God means to miss out on the overshadowing of his presence, to miss out on his favor, to miss out on the blessing, to miss out on the provision. I don't want to miss out on that. I want me to be face to face with God. The problem of restlessness. Brother Randy preached one of the most fabulous messages on restlessness. Church is restless. You know why they're restless? You know why families are restless? You know why church is restless? Individual homes are restless? Because they're void of the presence of God. They're void of the presence of God. We can only enter into his rest when we enter into his presence. Frank Damasio said, to be in the presence of the Lord is to be revived. When a community of believers is brought low before the presence of the Lord, when, they, when, the, when the very air that they breathe appears to be supercharged with a sense of his presence, then there is the beginning of renewal and revival. In fact, that is revival. Did you hear that? J. Edwin Orr said, I have witnessed many revivals of God's people, both individuals and companies. The Holy Spirit working always, was brought, always brought a fullness of joy, cups ran over, and worries disappeared. When love and joy and peace came in the door, misery went up the chimney. And search parties failed to locate it afterwards. Delight yourself in the Lord, he says, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen one more time to Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. That path of life is what? In your presence is fullness of joy. Right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. Amen? We should experience the joy. I'm gonna close with this. In the 1700s, there was a revival that swept across England one particular meeting, which was called the Love Fest of Feather Lane. I don't know how many of you in history has ever heard of that movement. Seven Oxford Methodists were present there. I don't have their names, but John and Charles Wesley was there. George Whitfield was there. Wesley Hall was there. Benjamin Ingwin was there. 
And John Wesley wrote these words. About three in the morning, as we were continually instant in prayer, Did you hear it? About three o'clock in the morning. About three o'clock in the morning. As we were continuing in instant prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us insomuch that many cried for exceedingly joy and many fell flat to the ground. As soon as we were recovered, a little from that awe and from that amazement at the presence of his majesty, we broke out with one voice. We praise thee, O God, we praise thee, O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. We need to be in his presence like that. I like it. He said, when we recovered, and they said there were hours they laid there it was hours before they were even able to get up and do anything because of the presence of God. I want you to stand with me for a moment. I'm challenging you to exert yourself in the spiritual disciplines of the Lord here today. Start today. We need to start seeking the presence of God like we've never seeked him before. I'm hungry. Mike, can you come out and stand out here, please? Face the, the audience. I'm tired of us having this kind of a relationship. How you doing, Mike? Huh? Oh, I guess all right. Feelings mutual. The plan is that me and you need to come to know each other a little bit better, so. Hey, buddy. I don't want God to be here sitting here like this. And me with my back turned to him. I want to be face to face with God. To be face to face means I got his favor. I got his acceptance. He's showing me the path of life. And his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there's pleasures forevermore. He'll withhold no good thing to them that walk uprightly. He wants to bless all good things and all perfect things coming from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, where there's neither availableness nor shadow of turning. He can't even turn from wanting to do good unto me. He's faithful even when I'm unfaithful. He's true when I'm, un when I'm not so true. He, he, he's there. He's a, a rock, a steadfast, one you can count on. He'll never abandon you. He'll never discard you. He'll never throw you. As long as there's breath in your body to seek him, to him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I'll no, Lord, I'll no, I'll no wise cast off. You say, well, I feel so dirty. Well, that's what's so wonderful about the presence of God. His presence is like fuller soap. And he even says to the dirty and the grimy and the unclean, he says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He'll wash us, he'll cleanse us. It's his presence that takes care. Instead of running from him out of condemnation and guilt, run to him in conviction and fall down and say, oh, I want my face to be turned to you today. Can I ask you, this is what I believe that God wants us to do. I was going to do it differently and I just felt checked. I believe that God's standing up here at this altar this morning. It's the beginning. What we want to do is make it a one-time event. We come and we want it immediately just to fall on us, just like that. There's a lot of pressing. We press this week. We press Monday. We press Tuesday. We come back next Sunday. We press again and we keep on until the presence of God begins to grow. It, it becomes more communicable. It becomes more easy because we sharpen our senses and we get more discipline and we learn how to flow and we begin to learn how to yield as a body, as a congregation. We've seen some of that yielding this morning and didn't it bring blessing? 
Didn't it bring blessing? Now, what I want you to do this morning, just picture God up here with his hands like this. Picture you, first of all, I want everybody to turn around, face that way. Now, God's up here with his arms open. Now, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? As you turn, I want you to make your way toward him and begin to say, Lord, I just want to take a few moments to come before your presence. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to feel him just like that. And don't get discouraged if you don't feel him throughout this service. It's the beginning of a discipline. It's the beginning of exercising our spiritual discipline and exercising our faith. But I want you to seek the presence of God for a moment. Tonight, if you'll do it here this morning, tonight will be heavier. Next Sunday will be even greater. It'll build, it'll build, it'll grow, it'll mature, it'll develop. Just seeking. Some's going to get touched instantaneously. I, I, I'm here to tell you, God's here to touch us. Believe, God's here to touch you. Come on, open up to the Lord. Well, God's seeing you're hungry, young man. Holy Ghost touching. Manifest yourself to this man. He's hungry, God. It's all over him. He's dripping with it. Now, God, satisfy that urge. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Sing something, John. Worship the Lord, saints. Seeking. I'm not trying to stir nothing up, just seeking. I want all the ministers to start laying hands on the people. All the staff, the ministers, start laying hands on the people. Go ahead, guys, sing. But I want all the ministers to begin to start laying hands on the people as they worship. God's going to start operating here today. We're going to give him just a few moments here. We're not, we're not going to hurry. All the staff, all the ministers, all of the council members, all the elders. Lay hands on them. Elders, help them out. In Jesus' name. 